again, sitting across from each other on Zoom. 3,000 miles away from each other. If you're just tuning in, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's mm-hmm. Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. We're bi-coastal. If you've never listened before, I am in Boston. Corinne mm-hmm. is in Boston. And then Sabrina over there is in California. Yeah, yeah. We uh, have been doing this for three years now, almost. Almost. It's almost our anniversary. Wait, no, it's over three years. Is it four years? Almost four years. <gasps> no. August was our three year. Wasn't it? No. What's math? Okay, we started in August 2017. So that Was means it 17? 2018, 2019, 2020, 2020. Wait, what? It would be four years. 17 to 21 is four. This August is our four. Holy shit. One month is our four year. I know. I know. Whoa. That's whoa. I don't know. I just realized this. I keep saying I know, but like I I'm not I don't. It's crazy how much time has passed. My goodness. And also just time in general is passing by so quickly. Do you remember when you were a kid and summer felt so long and it was the best ever? Yes. Just every moment, every day felt really stretched out. Like camp and well, I mean, also the days are longer because the sun is out longer. Now I blink and a month goes by. I know. It's scary. I'm getting married in 53 days from when we're recording, which is the 23rd. 53. I'm so excited. I just started watching Manifest, and part of me is like, what if my plane disappears? (laughs) We're five years on the way to Sabrina's wedding. I hope not, because uh, you'd miss it. Well, I would miss it. I'd be really sad. But then also, wouldn't we be excited because I would be a part of a time glitch? Yeah, but what would I do for five years? Just mourn? Wear black every day? (laughs) I don't know, but please continue the podcast. (laughs) By myself. Just get one of those voice synthesizers and just do my part for me and just have that changer (laughs) make you sound like me. Honestly, sounds like so much work. Hire a stand-in. Let's let... No one needs to know that I'm missing. I was going to say Nick. Nick would Nick would love to, uh, even if he has to do your voice, I think he would love to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Now Nick's going to make your plane disappear. No. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you can't. He can't. Though I have been told by a few people that I voice twins. So I think there are a few people that could take my... I'll do auditions. My part, and no one would know. Okay. I'll hold auditions. But the truth is, Corinne, you kind of hold up this podcast with your personality. So That's absolutely incorrect. No. And your laugh, like, no one can mimic your laugh. Your laugh is too perfect. What are you doing? Are you trying to make me blush? Yes, I am. No one can (laughs) see it. You're so nice to me. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay. I'm going to skip past compliments because I'm feeling uncomfortable. (laughs) And I'm going to go straight into... I need to send you these videos on TikTok. I know you're not a super big TikToker, but we all know that I spend at least six hours on it every night and don't get sleep anymore. So yes, previously, we've talked about what happens when you go into the woods. There are ghosts. There are Bigfoot. There are glitches, weird creatures. Yeah. And I am deep on Appalachia TikTok. Oh. And there are some freaky deaky things happening. So first of all, this one woman, her video went viral. Her name is Abby Sabota. Okay. And she was talking about basically like when you live along the Appalachian Trail or if you're in the South, Appalachia, you essentially – everybody has this kind of like unspoken rule that when you're on the trail, you focus on the trail. And if you think you hear something, you think you see something – You think you hear your name being called, whatever it is, you don't. Pretend you don't. Just keep walking. Don't run. Keep walking. 
look at the ground, look forward and continue on as if nothing else was happening. So it was basically like instead of a see something, say something, it was like a see something, ignore it, continue on your life or risk being murdered. Oh, my gosh. And this is in response to Wendigos. So I feel like I always say it weird because I say Wendigo, but I think it's Wendigo. But oh. it's basically this paranormal creature that we absolutely need to cover. But people are talking about them. and they're Is these- that the owl? No, these are the ones you've definitely seen pictures of them, like the caught on tape of wilderness, uh, hmm. like hunting cameras, nature cameras set up. They look like a super, they're basically slender man, but naked and white. Oh, the like hunched over ones? Yeah, they like crawl and they have really, really long, thin yeah. limbs. Yeah, okay, I know. They've got red about. eyes. And they basically take on the persona or, or like the the look of a human sometimes, also voices, but it sounds clunky. Like it doesn't sound like real English when one is approaching you. And so this woman was talking about like, here's the norms of what you need to do. And she said that she was walking in the woods one day. She only had one encounter with one. She was walking in the woods one day and she looks to the side and it took her a minute to understand and like take in what she was seeing. But she was seeing one of those just off the trail staring at her. (gasps) And then she started, she's like, oh. And then she looked away and she started walking and her dog was kind of acting weird and trying to pull her backwards, like towards the woods. It was weird. So she just kept walking, kept going, picked up her pace, not running, but walking as fast as she possibly could. And she kept hearing her name being called (gasps) after her. Oh my gosh. And when she got to the edge of the woods and exited, she really wanted to look back, but she was like, no, do not look back. Never look back. And then when she got to her house, which was, I think it was her grandparents' house or something, but it was across a field. And so you could look back to the edge of the woods into the start of the trail from mm-hmm. that, her house, from her home base. And when she and her dog got in, she looked back and saw that it had stopped and it was like standing and staring at her from the edge of the woods. And a gross, overwhelming smell came and wafted over to the house. Like it was Ugh. just wretched Ew. smelling. And then so ever since I saw her videos, now I'm getting a ton of other ones that are very similar. Like this one person, her name is Hale's Yes History okay. on TikTok. She was saying that they were in the woods in New Hampshire and okay. basically the same thing happened. Like they, in the middle of the night, woke up because they were hearing what she thought was her child calling her name out at night from outside <gasps> and then went and looked at her child and her child was asleep and even her husband woke up. Oh, that's like really malevolent. Yes. And then if anyone wants like a real freaking thrill and 50 videos to watch, I do not know if this is set up. I don't know if this is like a Dear David situation or if this is truly we are watching a ton of paranormal activity being caught on camera. But there is an account called Follow Pete and Ash and they live in a very not I mean, it's woodsy, but like they have neighbors and when they're out on Is this the one you texted me about? Yes, when I was like, go go deep and, and watch. And then I forgot to. Yeah, basically there are these really creepy noises. It's almost alien-like and flashes that will go by. They'll get tapping on their door. Like just a, there's a lot of things that are very obviously paranormal. And it started with them hearing things off in the distance, like in the nearby woods. And then they started filming it. And they started talking about it. And then it gets closer and closer <gasps> and closer to their home. Ooh. And now they've set up a ton of cameras in their house, outside of their house. So basically like videotaping themselves and the outside. But somehow it always kind of misses being on camera, which is the part where I'm like, okay, is this is this real or is this like entertainment for all mm. of us? Anyway. Well, regardless, it sounds like it is entertaining you. 
Oh my gosh, it really is. I just can't watch it at night. It's so creepy. <laughs> I love that our <sighs> podcast has become a TikTok debrief for you because you don't have anyone else to talk to about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. And I because like, Brian doesn't like scary things. No. And so many people don't. And sometimes, I mean, my mom listens to the podcast, but sometimes there are a few things that are too scary where she'll be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> a lot of our friends are too scared of this That's stuff. true. I have to let it all out here. And I'm very glad to be on the receiving end of it. This is proof that I couldn't do the podcast by myself because... Ugh. Because you don't watch TikTok. Because I don't watch TikTok. What do I have to talk about? <laughs> I don't watch TikTok. I don't have a job. What do I do with my life? No. Sabrina, you do have a job. This is your job That's now. true. This is my full-time job right now. Yes. <laughs> I wish it were mine. <laughs> Hope no one's listening. Oh, man. <sighs> anyway, TikTok is great. We're going to start it. making more content. I just haven't been wearing makeup, which is the only reason I haven't made more videos. Yes. I feel like I set a standard for myself to like look at least a little bit appealing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, I this is the one benefit of us not living so close to each other because if we did, I feel like you'd come over and like force me to do TikToks. Here's the thing. Your bachelorette party is in New Orleans. And in my mind, I have about 35 TikToks. Like, no, Corinne, don't make her film TikToks the entire time we're in our bachelorette. So we could do like five. One to two. Or, oh, you get, you're giving me five. I'll give you five. I'm writing that down. I'm going to plan which one <laughs> Okay, sweet. Heck yeah. Okay. Into it. Great. Love it. Love it. Here for it. Also here for some haunting tales. Okay. Well, this episode's coming out on 4th of July, mm-hmm. and so we thought, how fun would it be to discuss haunted military bases? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. I was talking to like a few friends the other day, and they're like, do you guys ever feel like you run out of things to talk about or like topics to cover? And it's been four years, and we've never done this topic before. So I said, absolutely not. We always constantly have like a million things. If anything, we want to do them all, and we just don't have enough time to do 100 podcast episodes every single week. I know. And then per topic in our research, there's like seven different things we want to cover. So we're like, oh, we want to do that topic again. It's truly, yeah, you can do this forever. That's funny because I actually had someone ask me the exact same thing and I had a less polite response. I just said, well, people are always dying. So ghosts are always being made. Oh. And they were like, Jesus. (laughs) That is a very current response. It's not polite. So I apologize. Well, I just retold it. That's okay. Sometimes you just have to be very blunt. And who's more blunt than America and their love of the military? <laughs> so for the 4th of July, we're that transition. military bases. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the second oldest active United States Army post west of Washington, D.C. It is called Fort Leavenworth in Leavenworth County, Kansas. And just as a little bit of history, Leavenworth, Kansas was the very first city within the state of Kansas, and the town is filled with historic buildings that date back more than 200 years, which relative to the world history, that's not that much, but relative to U.S. history, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Who am I? Like (laughs) a child on YouTube? (laughs) This is. I feel like we're in middle school. This is a Pen15 segment right now. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm not. Okay, moving on. And it's yes, you are. awesome because all these like downtown businesses and shops that currently exist in Leavenworth, Kansas, 
are built on top of a series of tunnels that were previously underground businesses. So there's like tunnels and like old kind of decrepit buildings that are all underneath the main street of Leavenworth, the main town. Wait, one clarifying question. Yes. The underground businesses, that's because they built on top of the town and abandoned it? Or were they truly operating underground businesses? Great question. Don't have an accurate response for you. That's okay. I think things were underground because the tunnels are, it's specifically tunnels. So I don't think they were like secret business. I mean, maybe they were. I I don't have a response for you. But because this isn't about the town, I just wanted to give you a fun fact. And now I feel pretty losery. (laughs) No, no, I like it. Here's the answer. Here's what we're going to. It's not a real answer, but it's going to be our answer. It's going to be really magical. And people would go underground to all of the stores. And it's just super cool. So keep that. Okay. Okay. That's how we'll start it. That's how that is our um, fake news. (laughs) Uh, But the tunnels and all the areas that are are underground were filled in for the most part kind of at the turn of the century when these buildings on top were built. And people today swear they hear activity under their stores, like banging, dragging, footsteps, and voices as if people are still working and traveling through the tunnels. But it's not possible because there's, I mean, maybe there's like a secret, I don't know, tunnel society, but most of the tunnels are filled in. And as historic as the town is, Fort Leavenworth is even more so. And with that history comes a reputation of being a very, very haunted place. And it is widely considered the most paranormally active site in the U.S. Army. So let's get into it. Buckle up, you ghouls, because this place is so very haunted. (laughs) Okay. Fort Leavenworth was established in 1827 to protect the Santa Fe Trail, the Oregon Trail, and other trails along the area. So many soldiers, surveyors, immigrants, Native Americans, and settlers passed through the base on their journey to further reaching lands. And I just want to preface, there's a lot of questionable actions in our American history, and a lot of that extends to our military as well. So like, I think it's important to discuss the fact that a lot of Fort Leavenworth was used during the Indian Removal Act of 1830. So it was like moving Native people off the lands, which is just awful. And we understand that it's wrong, and I wish we could go back and change that. But um, that is part of Fort Leavenworth's history. Mm. Uh, So that was a big part of it. And then later in 1866, Fort Leavenworth housed the 10th Cavalry Regiment, which was one of four black regiments in the U.S., And again, this regiment was unfortunately very mistreated, um, but they have become quite memorialized in the town of Leavenworth, and there are like a bunch of statues and stuff memorializing them, which I think is nice because Mm -hmm. they were not treated great during their time in service, which sucks. Fort Leavenworth served as a vital location during many of our country's most historic wars. In addition to the Indian Removal Act, it also served during the Kansas-Nebraska Act, the Civil War, and both world wars. And in 1875, the first official U.S. disciplinary barracks opened with the ability to hold over a 1,000 inmates, and it stayed in operation until 2002 when it was then rebuilt somewhere else on the property. Today, the fort supports the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, and it maintains the home of the U.S. Army Combined Arms Center, It's also home to the Military Corrections Complex, which has the United States Disciplinary Barracks, 
the Department of Defense's only maximum security prison, and the Midwest Joint Regional Correctional Facility. So it's got a lot going on there. It's a pretty big property. It's 5,600 acres and has over 1,000 buildings and 1,500 quarters where people live. Of those 1,500 buildings, an upward of 36 of them are reported to be haunted. And it'd be one thing if they were abandoned and like, oh, that's spooky and scary. But no, a lot of these haunted buildings are still in active use. And many of them are actually housing facilities. So like families who someone might work on the property or like is a, you know, moves there with their family for military purposes live in these homes and have just are berated with ghosts. So just imagine the, well, you don't have to imagine. You don't have to imagine because I'm about to tell you all of the ghostly tales <laughs> that I found about Fort Leavenworth. The, it's funny because I was like, wow, it must like be pretty scary living there. But then I was reading and I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that these people experienced this so that I get to share it on the podcast with all of our listeners and with Corinne. Because <laughs> there's so many. So at least we get to reap the benefits. Knock on wood, though, because I feel like I'm going to have bad karma for saying that. No, you're Now fine. I'm going to be berated by spirits. Okay. So there have been ghostly faces that appear in windows. Lights turn on and off. Strange noises happen in the night. Fort Leavenworth has every kind of paranormal haunting that many people accredit to the spirits of inmates who were executed at the disciplinary barracks and those that are buried in the National Cemetery, which they're probably right, but there are also so many other ghosts that it's very possible Fort Leavenworth is also a portal for the spirit realm. So let's start with, I'll go like building my building just to keep it organized. So we'll start with the ghosts of the United States disciplinary barracks. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. It's barracks. Barracks. But I'm like saying it like Barack Obama. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going (laughs) to... You're going to deal with me if I miss him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going. Because I miss him. What do you think I was going to say? I don't know. I don't know. I thought you were just going to say because I'm struggling to pronounce it. I don't know. I did not think it was going to be about Barack Obama. Oh, no, no. I don't take – I don't blame myself for any of this. It's (laughs) taking no credit here. Okay. Okay. I will no longer say that word. Maybe I will. I'll probably have to. I have it in the next sentence. Damn it. Okay. So in 2002, many of the main barrack structures were demolished, but some of them still stand. And even if the building was torn down, the ghosts are still there. So like in the main area where the barracks used to be, there are some ghost sightings and like walking around in that area. Mm -hmm. There is one building called Tower 8, which was a guardhouse that still stands today. And it is a popular haunt for one poor soul. As the story goes, soon after Tower 8 was opened, a soldier was said to have died by suicide with his service shotgun within the tower. After this happened, several guards would notice a mysterious object walking around the tower, but when they went to investigate, nobody was there. Over time, Tower 8 was basically shut down and locked off. like You couldn't get to it, and people would see a light up in the tower, and when they went to investigate, again, it was empty. Today, the main barrack guard control room will receive staticky phone calls with a muffled voice on the other end, and apparently they trace it back to Tower 8, but there's no phone in the old abandoned tower, which I don't know how that technologically works, like how they're able to trace a call to a place that doesn't have a phone, you know? Yeah, that does confuse me. There 
Yeah. What, what are they hiding from us? I don't know, but I was like, it sounds spooky, so maybe that's why all the interwebs said it. But like, I just maybe I don't understand science unless like well, the call says the wrong person to be looking for an answer. <laughs> unless the call like on caller ID says Tower Eight, and they're like, <gasps> oh, interesting. That's just me making that up. I don't know that that's true. Um, at one point, a patrol car reported seeing someone standing in the tower pointing a rifle at them. And when they went to investigate, no one was there. There are also other haunted towers in the barracks. Guards would report hearing the sounds of someone walking upstairs and knocking on the door entrance to the towers when no one else was there. So, like, imagine working up there by yourself in one of the towers in, like, the guard watches, like, watch towers. And... Mm -hmm hearing someone knock on the door like footsteps walking up and approaching you and then you open the door and no one's there that's also if you're not expecting anyone to come i yeah, i would scary. assume that's a scary experience regardless of just like who's about to come and then when you realize that person d isn't alive and you can't <laughs> watch them you can't trace where they're going they could be anywhere they could be sitting in your seat when you turn back around they that's could be so walking scary. through you yeah Okay, Building 65, which was also part of the barracks, is also said to be extremely haunted. And given the terrible history I'm about to share with you, it is no surprise. So just mm. – I mean, I feel like it comes with the territory of talking about military bases, but this is kind of a dark story. So if anyone wants to skip ahead, please feel free. According to multiple sources online, there was a prisoner uprising during World War II, and in response, the guards began executing one of the 14 German prisoners of war every hour. But they ran out of room in the gallows and apparently were said to have used the elevator shaft in the administration building as a makeshift gallow. And after this horrific event, so they killed 14 of these prisoners. And after this horrific event, guards reported hearing screaming coming from the old elevator shaft, which is just so unsettling. Yeah, that's so disturbing. And it's so sad what happened. Yeah. And then to know, to know that those screams are not just a spirit screaming for the heck of it. And to know that that was like it's a residual. Yeah. Fear, true fear, panic, yeah. hurt, anguish. Yeah. Makes it worse. There are also reports of seeing a ghostly man in a wheelchair being pushed by another ghostly figure on the third floor of the building, which is not in operation and is only used for storage. So you bet your butts that going into the old barracks building is like running into a dark basement. Like I imagine someone has to go up to that storage and they're like, do I have to go alone? Oh my gosh. I would. Be, yeah. I, that's when I would, if I had to do it, I would phone a friend. Phone a friend. A friend. <laughs> you have to stay on the phone with me while I go up here. Uh, as we do after recording every single time. <laughs> uh, but the barracks are not the only haunted place at Fort Leavenworth. No, not even close. The parade grounds are also known for a plethora of spirits of soldiers that are dressed in Civil War era uniforms. Apparently, they will appear on foot and on horseback. And they'll, like, walk towards you and then fade into the mist. And it's, like, super ominous. Like, almost like a whole cavalry walking towards you with horses and everything. Doesn't this feel very Haunted Mansion? It does. It has that vibe. Like the, and, yeah. And apparently the way that Leavenworth is um, – the landscaping of it, has, there's, like, a ton of fog and mist – so even, like, in the middle of the day, there will be these, like, sheets of fog Ooh. that roll through. And so it just, like, adds to the ominous atmosphere of this place, and especially with a, a bunch of spiritual right. – spirit ghosts of the Civil War walking through. I mean, it's so spooky. 
So spooky. It's so beautiful to wake up and the sunrise with all of the mist until you see ghosts walking through it. I thought you were going to say it's beautiful to see the ghosts walking through the mist. And I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe you get to a point where you're so used to it that it does feel just like a beautiful sight to see. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, because they do just disappear, like they're not scary. I mean, that's the thing about a lot of these ghosts is none of them really seem malicious or malevolent. They're they're kind of reliving a moment. So they might be mm-hmm. residual or are attached to just like a specific area. So I don't know. They don't seem that scary. The Rookery is a house and it's one of the most haunted, if not the most haunted homes at Fort Leavenworth. And it overlooks the parade grounds. It was built in 1827 and is not only the oldest home on the post, it is also the oldest building in Kansas, and people still live here. It is a duplex located at 12 and 14 Summer Place, which is all on the property of Fort Leavenworth, and it has been home to some famous names in American history. Lewis and Clark were thought to have stayed there during a visit to Fort Leavenworth, and there are some like famous lieutenants which I'm sorry if you're a history buff, you might know them, but I do not. So I'll just give you one name. Douglas MacArthur. Don't know who he is, but maybe some of you out there do. Residents have reported seeing a gray-haired lady in a long white dress who is believed to be the wife of a cavalry soldier who was away on a campaign. Uh, Some stories tell of how she was unfortunately tortured and killed during a Native American attack which is why her soul is haunting Fort Leavenworth. This is, okay, after I just said about how a lot of these ghosts don't seem scary, um, this this haunting particularly is a bit scary because the ghost of this woman is said to rush at people with long fingernails in attack <gasps> mode and will Ugh. scream and chase people. What the frick? But oh my God. I know, I know, I feel bad though because it's like I totally understand why her ghost is doing that because if... If the story of how she was attacked and tortured and killed is true, then I totally understand this this feeling of just she, yeah trying to protect fight. yourself. Yeah, fight or flight, and she in spirit form is in fight. She is in fight, um, and it's sad that she's stuck in fight. So I feel bad for her. Um, I also feel bad for anyone who encounters her. So imagine living in the rookery. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah. Oh God. Does, do people survive after that? I feel like my heart would just give out. I'm Yeah, it's scary. Uh, there's another apparition in the rookery. It's that of an elderly woman who is often seen just talking in the corner of a room. And there's a third ghostly apparition that is of a young girl named Rose who whistles. Or a few times she has been seen throwing a temper tantrum like a little child. <laughs> what about? I do not know. As residents are trying to sleep, they often report being rustled awake by an old man in a nightshirt with bushy hair, who people have theorized is Major Edmund Ogden, who once lived in the rookery himself. And his spirit lingers around in the house. And apparently, there was a group of ghost hunters in the house, and he asked them to leave his house and get out. Oh, wow. But it sounds like he was polite. He's like, excuse me. Please leave my home. Please leave. It does make me wonder now, you're bringing up a, a new thought of mine, which is if if there are ever mediums or people who specialize in helping spirits cross over to the other side, go and make good contact with the spirit and have good communication. But in the end, the spirit's like, yeah, I just don't really have interest in that. And I think <laughs> I'm going to stay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. 
I mean, it's possible. I believe it. I believe there are people who don't want to cross over. I mean, isn't that the idea of purgatory? It's like people who aren't quite ready to give up their physical life. Right, because, yeah. That gets us just yeah, one theory of the afterlife or the middle midlife. We always, yeah, because we always talk about crossing over. Oh, I wish the spirit could cross over. If only could someone could help the spirit cross over, but maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't want to. I would love to think I, I'm now, <laughs> just because we have so many EVPs and weird things that have happened on our podcast, I'm imagining us talking about spirits in previous episodes and we're like, oh, we feel so bad. We want them to cross over. I just imagine them like whispering into the microphone like, no, bitch, I don't want to. <laughs> no, bitch, leave me alone. Don't get, get off my ideas in yeah. your head. <laughs> this is my life. My ghostly life. Okay. LMLML. <laughs> let me live my again? ghostly life. LMG. L- let me live my life. LMLML. But we'll, L-M. Let me L-M-L. Live my life. Okay. LMLML. It's not a real acronym. I mean, it is, but our friend Caitlin made it up. So I don't think it's used anywhere else. That's what I feel about a lot of acronyms. And then I'll see other people use it. I'm like, oh, I guess that's like common. It did take me a really long time to know what SMH was. Shaking my head. I thought it was literally just smooth. And then it was a noise. Well, because people do say it as a noise. Yeah. Okay. I have three more pages of hauntings. Okay. The chief of staff's quarters located at 624 Scott Avenue is said to be haunted by various ghostly apparitions and that these spirits seem to enjoy hosting tea parties in the parlor. So people will be in another room of the house and hear the sounds of a gathering and the clinking of china. But of course, when they go to investigate, the parlor is empty. Which I just think I love. I love the idea of like these ghosts gathering. Like I imagine mm-hmm. that like it's all the ghosts of Fort Leavenworth and they're all coming to me at this one house for a tea party. <laughs> um, who's the party planner who, at Fort Web- Leavenworth, you know? Got to have a t- chat with them. Where's my invite? The original St. Ignatius Chapel was built at 632 Thomas Avenue, but in 1875, the church and rectory burnt down taking with it the life of a young priest whose name was Father Fred. After the fire, they tried to salvage as much of the church as possible and then reuse the pieces that they could to build the house that now stands there today. Some of the scorched bricks were used to make the fireplace in the dining room. So like you can see the specific bricks that were part of the original church because they had like scorching on them. Um, and in and etched into some of those bricks are actually several names, including the name of Father Fred, And those who have lived in the home have once claimed to see Father Fred walking through the house, up and down the stairs, and into the kitchen in his priest robes. Or I guess not once. They've seen it multiple times. In the 1970s, the family living there was hosting a dinner party, and someone took a Polaroid photo. And in the photo, you could apparently see a priest, like, in full his full outfit. There was no priest there. It was very clearly to them, Father Fred. Unfortunately, I searched everywhere. I used so many keywords trying to find this Polaroid, but I couldn't. So I don't know where it exists, if anywhere. So if anyone finds it, let me know. But it is said that Fred is very friendly and doesn't want to purposely scare anyone. And it's said that on the quietest of nights, when most of the time the people who live in the house are not home, when you walk past the home, you can hear the sound of a sewing machine going and apparently it's father fred using the sewing machine to repair his robe and apparently years ago one family reported finding thread all over the floor on occasion like multiple times 
And at first they were like, oh, that's weird. It's an old sewing machine, though. So, like, maybe it just, like, ran by itself and was, like, doing a weird thing. But then over time, it just, like, happened more and more. And they were like, we think it's Father Fred trying to use a sewing machine to fix his robes. Hmm. One famous story about Father Fred involves a maintenance man who was working in the attic alone on a hot summer day when he suddenly felt someone place a cold rag on his neck. He assumed it was just like uh, one of his coworkers, so he turned around and saw that no one was there. And he packed up his tools and never returned unless he was accompanied by another person. But it's so funny because that's such a sweet experience. Like, yes, I get it. It's off-putting and scary. Right. But Father Fred was just like, here, let me cool you down. Right. It's a caretaker Mm -hmm. move. It's very loving. Um, Another story is that there were six inmates from the barracks who were working in the attic of what was then an empty house. And apparently something happened, no one knows, but all of a sudden, all of these six men ran out of the house and they were like, send us back to the disciplinary barracks. Like, we don't want to be here. They wouldn't talk about what happened and they refused to return back to that house. Like, they were so scared. Whoa. And more recently, Father Fred is apparently known for saving a teenage girl who lived in the house from choking on a pineapple in the kitchen while her family was outside unaware. (gasps) And she's, this girl said that she felt two hands performing the Heimlich maneuver, and she assumed that a family member had finally heard her choking and, like, ran inside from outside. But when she turned around, no one was there. So Father Fred oh gosh, saved Father Fred. her life. Father Fred, this is exactly the spirit we need in our homes. I know. We all, we all need a Father Fred. Man. Yeah. The General's Residence, which is located at 1 Scott Avenue, is haunted by General George Armstrong Custer, who was a U.S. Army officer and cavalry commander who apparently lost his job temporarily because he mistreated his troops. And as a punishment, he was court-martialed to Fort Leavenworth, where he was found guilty in this home and given a year suspension without pay. He was then reinstated after that and then died in battle in 1876 in a completely different place. So it's kind of unclear why his spirit is specifically haunted the general's residence when he never lived there and was kind of only there when he was sentenced to his suspension. Mm -hmm. But maybe he blames that on his demise. I don't know. Maybe that's like he's like this all started when they suspended me. Who knows? But he just walks around. The officer's quarters, located at 605 McClellan Avenue, is said to have a previous resident who refuses to leave. And you guessed it. It's a ghost. (laughs) The ghostly apparition of a man with a mustache and a goatee once appeared in the fireplace in the middle of a burning fire. And when the fire died out, the face continued to linger at the back of the fireplace. I don't know for sure if that face is still there, but it reminds me of stories that we've heard, like, that. what's the guy at the college campus? His face is, like, on the front of the brick. You did the story. Oh, gosh. I cannot remember which university it was. Yeah. Yes. Oh. But then someone else recently sent us a listener story. One of the college dorm rooms had, like, a woman's face on it, too. Anyway, people have seen this man coming in and out of the bedrooms. And apparently once they saw him walk out of the bathroom with an old-fashioned razor and shaving cream on his face. People hear loud footsteps coming up and down the stairs. The doors will slam. There's loud crashes. And there are quite a few icy cold spots in the house. Okay, and this just it just keeps going. There's so many. (laughs) Summer Place and the Black Lady is 
Another famous haunting, Summer Place is an area with duplexes and a lot of houses where people live, and it's said to be haunted by a woman in a black dress and shawl, and people believe she was the nanny slash housekeeper of one of the old homes and used to look after the families in the area by assisting with chores, doing dishes, and making beds, which she apparently still loves to do. Uh, and she's drawn to children and tries to calm them when they are upset or afraid. I'm like, I want to move here. <laughs> I'm going to be saved if I choke. I'm going to be helped out or my children will be. Someone's going to help me with my chores. I don't know what people are talking about. This is a dream. It Minus does the lady nice. that chases you with her long Yes, fingers. but that's one house. So you don't have to live there. Yeah. Um, this is amazing. Okay. One child told his parents that this nice lady would read stories to him before he went to sleep. And then oh, all of I a sudden, chose. one night, the parents went up to his bedroom and found a mysterious book. And they were like, this is not our book. It was pretty old. They had <gasps> no idea how it got there. Oh, my God. And they think the old lady gave it to him. I literally have goosebumps all over my body right mm-hmm. now. Wow. But what's funny is that this lady in black does not like other babysitters or apparently grandmothers. Which is so strange. But she said that when – it said that when, um, like, another babysitter will be over, she'll, like, push them with, like, a very firm push out of the children's room. Like, almost is like, Whoa. this is my job. Get out of here. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I wonder if it's just the children's room or if she's really watching them and interacting with them all throughout the house. I don't know. Because if I were that babysitter, I'd be like, I'm putting the kids to sleep right on the couch, <laughs> mom and dad. You guys They're staying here. In bed when you get home. Yeah. I don't know. Although I do have to say, I like that she has a shawl because I feel like we talk so much about ladies in white, ladies in gray. And we don't really hear much about uh, la- ladies in black. But it's always just a dress. And I like that she's accessorizing. Yeah. She has a shawl. Yeah. The Office of Staff Judge Advocate, which is located at 615 McClellan Avenue, is also haunted. It's also on it's built on the site of the first hospital that was built at Fort Leavenworth. So soldiers who have worked in this building over the years report hearing strange noises and feeling the presence of someone behind them, only discover that they are alone in the building. And then there's another house called the Sheridan House, which is said to be haunted by the vengeful spirit of Mrs. Sheridan, because according to history, her husband left his wife on her deathbed to go travel for business, and she died while he was gone, and now she's haunting the home mad at him. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, yeah, no business, no job is more important than family. Agreed. And then the last major haunting is a very sad one. It is the story of Catherine Stuhler, and like many Americans during the late 18th century, the Stuhler family Hiram, Catherine, Ethan, and Mary left their home in Indiana to venture west. And while they were traveling, they set up camp at Fort Leavenworth in the early winter, and they were planning just to stay a couple of days before continuing on the Oregon Trail. Catherine sent the children to collect firewood for the family, but unfortunately, the children never returned. And she, Hiram, and her family and the townspeople searched for Ethan and Mary day and night, but the children were never found, and many assumed that they had fallen into the river and drowned, but no bodies were ever discovered, so poor Catherine refused to believe that they were dead, and she wanted to find them. And so when Hiram requested that they return home to Indiana, she refused and apparently stayed that whole winter, 
and was seen walking throughout the snow-covered bluffs calling for Ethan and Mary the entire winter and unfortunately developed pneumonia and died from it. Mm. Not long after Catherine passed away, Hiram received a call that they had found the children and they were alive. Where? So apparently the children had fallen into the river and were carried downstream where a group of Fox Native Americans found them. And the Fox Native Americans were actually like going, traveling to a warmer place for the winter and decided to take the kids with them and take care of them until the spring when they could travel back safely. Oh my gosh, what a lovely story. I know, but it's so sad because poor Catherine never knew her children survived. And to this day, people report hearing Catherine calling out the names of her children and see her roaming around with a lantern in the cemetery. Yeah, that's terrible. So I wish I could say that this is all the hauntings that have occurred at Fort Leavenworth, but like there are so many. And I encourage you all to do some more reading. The U.S. Army has even published articles about families who lived on Fort Leavenworth and their haunting experiences, which I think is kind of amazing. And Fort Leavenworth is well aware of its reputation, and the Friends of the Frontier Army Museum actually organized an annual haunted Fort Leavenworth tour, which is open to the public, and you're invited to walk around at night and visit haunted locations and listen to volunteers relay ghost stories, and you can just, like, wander around and see it. I'm down. Mm -hmm. That sounds so fun. Yeah. But those are the many hauntings of Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Holy moly. There's so much going on. And I know that the property is so huge. So you're not obviously guaranteed to ever experience anything or see anything. But I would just love to have a seat at the rocking chair and just be able to see Father John or, or whatever his name is helping people out in one corner, seeing the lady with the black shawl walking through the window helping kids, reading books. Mm -hmm. Then you see the ghosts in the mist. And then maybe from your the safety of your rocking chair, you can watch a few other <laughs> tourists get chased down by that scary <laughs> lady. I think that sounds great. I love the safety of your rocking chair. My rocking chair is my safe place. Do I own one? No, I don't. Do I picture myself in one here? Yes, I do. Because that's like the, the perfect on your porch... And right. also, like, when you pass away, you, the chair stays there, but occasionally it rocks, and we all know Corinne's there. And I I feel like all the ghosts that haunt there definitely had a rocking chair in the <laughs> session once upon a time. It's probably true. Yeah, all the Oregon Trail times. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's really intense. Mm -hmm. The fact that before we started, you were like, there's so many more. I could have kept going for pages and pages and pages. I can't believe how haunted this place I is. know. I know. That's why I also feel like it's a portal. I mean, granted, all the hauntings I've heard of are, I feel like, specific to the history of the place. Mm -hmm. But I just, I can't imagine that something that's that haunted isn't some type of access point for other paranormal entities. But maybe because it's yeah. mostly positive, it's like a good, I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, it's, no, maybe, maybe you're right there. Maybe there is some sort of like, because so much of it is. I mean, not that the stories or the deaths were positive, but that the, yeah. the spirit, the hauntings are positive. Maybe there is some sort of good energy that makes it more appealing for spirits to stay, to stay. or makes it easier for it's them to stay. It's all for the tea party. Everyone just loves the tea party. Just freaking got to stay for the annual tea party, yeah. man. Did you get your invite? <sighs> you're new in town? Guess what? There's a party and you've got to be at it. If you're dead, you're invited. <laughs> How rude. They're excluding the living. <laughs> 
All righty. What do you have? Okay. So time and time again, I have seen Okinawa listed as one of the most haunted places. We've read stories from Okinawa, and it just so happens that there are quite a few military bases, U.S. military bases specifically, within the Okinawa area. And so I'm going to touch on a couple, but mostly focus on the Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan. There are currently over 20,000 American people in or around this base, which includes service members, families, and Japanese employees. In East Asia, this is the largest and most active U.S. Air Force base. So there's a lot going on. I didn't even list out all of the different quadrants and forces that are there, teams that are there, because the list was huge and Being someone who doesn't have any immediate members that are servicemen, I have grandparents and great uncles, I am not well versed in different vocab and languages pertaining to the military. And so I knew I would screw up on some of the pronunciations as I probably will throughout this (laughs) this episode. Okay, but before going too deep into the hauntings, I'm going to give you a little bit of history, a very shortened version of events. So this airbase was originally constructed as a small airfield, and it was built locally by the Japanese, and it was used by the Imperial Japanese Army Air Force during World War II. And then if we remember anything from our U.S. history courses or whatever is taught outside of the U.S., I can't speak to because I only was a student here, but we learned about the U.S. involvement during World War II. And so we might remember that on Easter morning in 1945, U.S. troops invaded Okinawa. It was the largest amphibious assault in the Pacific during World War II. It was the bloodiest. And this was the Battle of Okinawa. So, so many lives were lost. Oh, geez. And the U.S. targeted this small airfield very quickly in their takeover of Okinawa, because this airfield was being used by the Imperial Japanese Army. So the U.S. seized the property, which was actually extremely run down. It was really only suitable for emergency landing, so it wasn't super safe to just continue to have planes come in and out. But by the eighth day of being on this land, by the U.S. having seized this land, they'd fixed up the runway enough for it to be operational, and then their aircrafts could be sent out from it. So they continued to upgrade the runway so that it would be suitable for larger and larger aircrafts, like bomber aircrafts. And a few months later, it was reassigned to the 8th Air Force, so still in the U.S. Army, and then it was used for training and administrative flying requirements. So the 8th Air Force was also, at the time, planning strategic bombing raids in Okinawa, but uh, before they could actually put a lot of those plans into action, um, that is when the U.S. used the atomic bomb and bombed Japan, leading to Japan's surrender and the death and destruction of so many people and so much of Japan. Very, very sad. I don't remember this, and I I feel like American history classes did not cover... Practically anything that we should be should know, but I just it's so devastating, and I hate war. Yeah. And I know that's like obviously everyone does, but it's just so sad that the destruction it causes. And it's also hard. Like we were American students too, and I feel like nowadays when certain things are taught, there's still a lot of misinformation out there. But at least there's good access to other countries and the internet, and we get a less biased view. Mm-hmm. But when we were in school, like the internet wasn't a thing, like hardly. No, yeah. And so there, there wasn't. I'm sure the way that we were taught about World War II and the atomic bomb and the war in, in Japan and the Battle of Okinawa is very different than 
than what may have actually happened yes, and conspired. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, so many people died and it's horrific and, and very sad. And atomic bombs are extremely, extremely scary. Agreed. In 1950, the Korean War began, and the U.S. wanted to maintain a naval presence in Okinawa as backup, and so they basically were like, let's just keep this base and just use this base for, like, naval or Air Force. Like, let's just stay here a while. And so the U.S. has been there ever since. And this area and this base has had so much death, so much war and destruction, and men violently attacking one another. So it shouldn't be terribly surprising when I tell you that Kadena Air Base is very haunted. There's a location on the base called The Cave. Uh, It's right next to Banyan Tree Golf Course, which is a popular golfing spot. And this area is now used for military and (laughs) golfing, but um, was used by the Japanese military during World War II. And there's a cave nearby. So this cave by the golf course is... There's a couple of different stories, but basically one of the stories is that uh, it was set up, the cave specifically was set up as a field hospital and they protected it with machine guns and laid vines over the opening of the cave to hide it. And it seemed that this cave was a good spot for basically providing the safest place that they could for, for treating people. It was a hidden spot surrounded by rock. But many Okinawans refuse to go anywhere near this cave nowadays, which has since been sealed shut. For legend goes that during the war, 17 nurses completed suicide in this cave. And so some believe that the nurses were so terrified of Americans that they were driven to suicide. But then others think that maybe it was possibly something else. There was something dark in the cave that preyed on them, preyed on their physical and mental hardships during the war, something that just drove them to complete suicide. But then some people are like, no, the cave was not used as a hospital. There was a hospital set up right near the cave. Mm. And so when all of the propaganda was being pushed out, the Japanese propaganda about how scary Americans were and and all this stuff, which, you know, there's definitely some truth to that. A lot of people died. Basically, it instilled so much fear in the hospital workers that these Japanese nurses, they fled to take cover from U.S. troops, eventually choosing to take their own lives out of fear of what would happen to them should they be found. So they would have rather died at their own hands than experience whatever they thought they were going to experience if any Americans had found them. So these women, however they died, whatever the situ- situation is, wherever the hospital was set up, They still haunt the cave and the nearby land today, which is why Okinawans encourage everyone who dares to go visit to do so with the most respect for these unrestful souls. Unrestful souls that you will know are not at rest because not only are they walking around, but they are screaming in fear and pain. Also on the base is building 2283. And this building, if you ever search Okinawa hauntings or Kadena Air Base, This building is like brought up time and time again. This is the building. It has such a reputation because this was, it's just extremely haunted. So previously it was a single family home and then it was changed into a storage unit until 2010 when it was eventually demolished. And it's said to be the single most haunted home in (gasps) US military history. Oh my gosh. 
So why is this building so haunted? Please tell me. Well, uh, a lot of it has to do with the extreme violence that happened there. There were many people living on the base. And I think it can be presumed that, you know, there's with so many people, there's bound to be a few people that don't live so peacefully. And so at first, that's kind of what people were thinking when there was a bunch of violence that occurred. So while none of the documented cases of violence are tied directly to this property. There are many accounts and legends surrounding this home and things that people are are basically claiming are either concealed or were never written down for various purposes. So one such story is that of an Air Force officer in the 1970s who was living in this building when it was a single family home with his family. And he murdered his entire (gasps) family. His family was living with him there, and one Whoa. day he snapped and he murdered all of them. That's and after so completing these multiple murders, so devastating. After completing all of these murders, the man took his own life. So then another family is assigned to live in this single family home. And so this new family moves in after this man had just murdered his entire family and then himself. The family moves in after, and there's just this general feeling of paranoia and dread. And eventually. Jeez. The father snaps. No. Stabs everyone. (gasps) Kills his teenage stepdaughter in the home. No. And so while there are no recorded documents of these murders taking place, many people believe them still to be true and that the paranormal activity that occurs here is a very big indicator that these legends have some truth to them. So there are numerous firsthand accounts of paranormal activity in this building. Witnesses have seen water faucets turn on and off. Curtains have opened on their own in front of big groups of people. People have heard children playing and crying, phantom phone ringing in the space. And the house has even been said to glow at times. Someone looked at the house and saw that the whole house was glowing. Oh, my gosh. That's like some Ghostbusters stuff. Super. You're like, whoa, ectoplasm everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, very much. And then in the dead of summer, rooms with no air vents will suddenly become icy cold. And one very creepy thing that makes me think, okay, yes, there definitely was murder that took place here, is that blood stains will suddenly appear on the floor and on the curtains. And this is at a time when no one's living there. Like they had a a few families, a few incidents, shut it off, was like, nope, we're shutting it down. No more people are going to live here. We're going to turn it into an office building. And so no one was coming in and bleeding. And we have to remember, this is a a military base, too. There's securities and clearances, and people aren't just, like, moving about any building in space and using it freely. They're secure. And so the bloodstains are very odd and possibly a sign that something malicious and violent did happen to the spirits here. Blood was drawn. Lives were lost. Jeez. And if you're thinking right now, like, okay, well, those are all creepy things, but – Maybe they could just be coincidences. Maybe there's just loose faucets and strong imaginations and people don't really actually n- know who has access to this building. I'm it's not just thinking mistakes. that. <laughs> maybe you're not, but maybe we've got a few That's true. S- skeptical listeners out yeah. there that l- enjoy listening but maybe don't fully believe in the paranormal. <laughs> but I will tell you this. Tell me. Quite a few people have actually seen full body apparitions in this home. On multiple occasions, witnesses have reported seeing a woman washing her hair in the sink, Oh, which is pretty benign. But you're lucky if she's the only one you see, for the other spirit lurking around this home is ready for battle. There is a samurai warrior who will appear with his horse and run towards the house as if to storm it, only to go through the house into the living room and then disappear. Whoa. 
And then everyone's like, okay, well, why is there a samurai warrior on this base? Well, nearby, there actually is a grave of a samurai warrior who had uh, lived in this area before, and he's buried nearby. And so it's presumed that this building may have been part of his property before. Oh. And this is kind of a residual haunting of him just taking off down a path or or right. doing his normal route um, through his own property right. that is now this base. That's interesting. This house reminds me, especially the story, reminds me of a movie that I just watched. And I'm blanking on it, but it's – I mean, there are multiple hauntings and houses that have similar stories where, like, mm. a family – is brutally murdered they then like a new family moves in and the same thing happens like someone is like clearly there's something dark in that house that is manipulating people and almost possessing them you know are you thinking of babadook no i'm not i watched it recently i'm blanking on what it was huh i know it's scary to think of the darkness taking over but that's that's literally exactly what happened so yeah People who were assigned to live in this house, they could not stand the paranormal activity, living in constant fear. And so it was eventually turned into a storage unit, but it didn't stop the haunting. So it was eventually closed off and demolished. But some believe that it was all in response to the murders that took place here. And other people think, okay, well, maybe the officials just had enough ghost sightings and that's why they chose to shut it down. Mm. So whether it be because there were a bunch of murders there and they just wanted to like not have the building exist or if there was a lot of activity and they were like, let's close this thing off and hopefully the haunting stop and the ghosts leave. We don't know. But what's interesting though is that the Air Force tried to tear down the house sooner than it was actually demolished. This building. The demolition was delayed because construction workers were reporting terrible headaches, oh, hallucinations, <gasps> no. and the number of on-the-job injuries increased exponentially. Oh, I just got chills. The house didn't want – the house is, like, alive. It's alive, which is exactly – okay, so everybody's having these terrible headaches, hallucinating, injuring themselves. So isn't that exactly the beginning steps of someone being taken over and losing their mind and driven to eventually kill? I mean, yes and no. I feel like because so many of them were experiencing it, it felt like it was just trying to prevent them from demolishing the home. Mm, Maybe. I mean, I would hate to think that this entity is able to possess that many people at once. This is Amityville horror, baby. Uh, No, thank you. So scary. So sad. Okay. Well, what's even creepier is that after all of these hauntings and, and terrible incidents that happened, I shouldn't say incidents, like crime, murder that happened in this building when it was previously a home and then the hauntings when it was a storage unit, uh, right next door to this building is the base's daycare. No. The daycare is right no, there. No. That is just cruel. <laughs> And teachers were complaining that the children at the daycare kept throwing their toys over the fence into building 2283's yard. And when the teachers would repeatedly ask these children, why? Why are you throwing your your toy over the fence? Each time, the child throwing the toy would answer that the little kids on the (gasps) other side of the fence asked them to. Okay, well, that's really, really sweet. Sweet, but also ghost kids. I know. You can't see. But that's sad for those ghost kids. I know they just want toys. Yeah. Maybe that people should start leaving little offerings like the island of dolls. Just leave little. Scary. Leave little things for everybody. Maybe like cute things. Or like, do you remember when we did our live show in Boston and I covered the one little boy? Oh, the chocolate. 
And he, yeah, he, everyone left him gifts, but he really wanted the chocolate. He really just wanted chocolate. Me too. Give me chocolate. Okay. Jane A. Hitchcock, she went to this building when she was writing her book. She decided to write a book called The Ghosts of Okinawa. And she was like, let me go hit up this base, go into this building and see what's up. You know, be a good researcher here. And so on Halloween night of 1994, Jane A. Hitchcock, she holds a seance. And through this seance, she was able to make contact with a little girl who said that she was afraid of the man with the horse in the house, which I assume the samurai. presumably is the samurai warrior. Whoa. And every time Hitchcock would ask a yes or no question, the flame in the candle that was lit would jump four or five inches. And the recording device that she'd also brought with her and had recording caught a bunch of whispers and answers from many spirits in the house when she would ask questions. So And she was so, so cool. So cool. And you would think because she's writing this book and chose to hold a seance that she'd be like, this is my jam. But she was so spooked and unnerved by her experience that she refused to do any future seances, though she's been asked many times to do it. Interesting. Very interesting. She got what she wanted. I mean, yeah, she found a good story. She got to write her book. How do we get to, like, get paid to write books and hold I guess we have seances. to be willing to go do a seance. I am willing. We'll use our, our what's it called? The down the down payment? No. What's it called when they pay you the, the um, the first fee? Ugh. What, where are we getting this money? What, what are you talking about? The editors. <laughs> the editors that we don't have. Oh, like, if we had a book and the editors would, Yeah, like what's it called? Like, the first fee. A da- I, I, isn't it a down payment? Like a first? I'm like it's not oh, a house. Shit. I mean, maybe it is, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't Someone's know. yelling it right now, and I know I feel dumb. Well, I'm right here with you. Yeah. Here's the thing. We've never experienced it. I've never given the opportunity. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe one day someone will pay us to do <laughs> seances and write books. Sounds nice. Until then, we will just read our words out loud. <laughs> to you. <laughs> so this next incident, I have to tell you, I needed to tell you about it. It is not on the same base, but right nearby Kadena Air Base is a U.S. Marine Corps base called Camp Henson. And this might sound a little bit familiar because our listener James had emailed us an encounters from this base, which we read in episode 127. So some of this might sound a little bit familiar. Okay. Okay. So in Camp Henson, Gate 3 is very haunted. This gate serves as one of the entrances and it sits on the northeast side of the base. Time and time again, both guards of the gate and service members will witness a bloodied World War II soldier approach the gate asking for a light. At one time, these sightings were so frequent that it was basically weekly. Like, at least wow. once a week, people would see this person in World War II gear bloodied coming up to them asking wow. them to light their cigarette. And in James's email, he told of his sergeant who had actually reached out and lit the spirit's cigarette. <gasps> so cool. So the cigarette-loving spirit isn't the only one hanging around this base. There's security footage from 2008 where a black human-like figure runs at super high speed. I watched the video so many times over. Very, very high speed, runs from behind a sign, crosses to the other side of the road. And in the video, the security guards are, like, replaying the footage and, and filming it and talking. Like, did you see that? Yeah, that is guy. And you can hear that they're like, did we just see what we thought we saw on this oh my footage? Like, Rewind. Let's do do this again. And they truly did capture some sort of paranormal – I don't even want to say paranormal creature. I think it's very much a spirit. It kind of looks like a shadow person wow. almost. So – 
there's just so much happening in Okinawa and the whole entire area is haunted. It's not just the bases, but because we were talking about military bases, I figured I'd hit on a few of them that are known to have a ton of paranormal activity. Love it. But uh, you'd be happy to hear <laughs> that they very much play into the paranormal activity that happens at Kadena Air Base. And during the month of October, they actually offer haunted tours. And it's so popular. It's run by the base. And it's wow. so popular that it sells out weeks and weeks in advance. That is so fun. I love that these places are taking, you know, embracing it. And they're like, let's have fun with it and invite mm -hmm. people to experience it with us. Yeah, it's the Marine Corps Community Services and 18th Service Squadron who put on the tours. So they teamed up together and were like, Hey, let's bring people around. So you'll go to all these different stops and hear about the stories. I just wish Halloween happened more often because then we could like, do all these Halloween events. Like there's only one a year. I think it should be quarterly. I agree. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I guess like every day is Halloween. But I mean like where's that place? We did a story of like somewhere in Europe where like the witches – that if you like walk around that specific church a certain mm. time, like you're it was something like 12 happens. Times yeah, clockwise. Or and something but it's midnight. only on Halloween, and I want to go there. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Just too many fun things I to do. I think you're getting really. You're expressing a lot of daring thoughts today. You want to have a <laughs> seance. You want to go around the church so many times. No. These are all things that I feel like when we previously were talking about these things, you were like, no way, never going to do that. Okay. And suddenly, what's going on? Well, here's what here's what I'm I'm actually saying. I want to go to all of these places. I don't want to necessarily do the thing. Okay. I want to write a book. I want someone to pay us to write a book. And if that means we have to do a seance, I'm down. I want to go celebrate Halloween in all these cool places and see them and mm -hmm. see other people walk around a, a church 13 times or – Okay. I think I remember what it's called. Is it just called an advance? You get paid in advance. An advance. Thank you. Yes. That's what it is. Oh, my gosh. See, wow. hire us to write a book. We know how to do it and what it's about in the and process. Again, this is why I can't do a podcast without you because words don't work for me. And so then they work for you. Or when they don't work for you, they work for me. I mean, it only worked for me like 20 minutes later. So okay. we're okay. I needed it though. Listener stories. We love these. <laughs> and surprisingly, we have so – I guess it's not surprising. We have so many uh, emails about military base hauntings. Okay. So I have a story from our listener – who asked to remain anonymous, and it is called Military Base Hauntings. But due to some disclosures that our listener had to sign, they couldn't tell us the name of the military base either. So this is going to be a mysterious, scary email. So some of these stories cannot be found on Google. They aren't exactly public knowledge unless you live here. When we first moved here and told people what side of the base we lived on, we often got the response, you know that side is haunted, right? At first we laughed it off, but we have both been having weird dreams since moving into our home and not getting great night's sleep, and I often feel the presence of a male. I can't describe it, but I just feel it. One week while my husband was away, I was sleeping in the living room with my dog since she often needs to go out in the middle of the night if she isn't crated. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought, weird, it's so bright in here. But I couldn't move. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't look around. I just stared at the ceiling thinking about how weirdly bright it was. Another night, my dog and I stayed up watching a movie until 1 a.m. When I finally got up to turn off all of the lights and settle back onto the couch, 
my dog started growling. I need to say that our dog is usually very quiet. She never barks unless it's to get my attention, and she was growling in the direction of the kitchen. I sat up, put my phone flashlight on, and looked around. Nothing. I jumped up and turned on the lights and didn't sleep until the sun started to come up, and from that night forward, I made my husband stay on the phone with me all night on speakerphone. I just want to throw in, a few weeks later, my dog and I were laying in bed one morning, sleeping in late, and she randomly started growling. My husband had snuck into the house to surprise us. He had gotten off work super early, and it made me think about the night that my dog growled. Something must have been in the kitchen that she could sense, but I couldn't. I'm thankful that this is all that happened in our home after hearing some stories of others who also live in the neighborhood. People have seen children in their homes. Children have seen a bad man and red eyes peering in the windows at night. People have seen red eyes peering in through the base fence as well. People have been scratched in their homes, had electronics turned on and off, water turned on and off, and two different local paranormal groups have investigated houses and buildings on the base. They had to sign contracts stating that they will never disclose their findings or what houses they investigated. This leads me to the base hospital, which in its day had everything, including a psych ward, a morgue, and a research development area located in the basement, which was later filled with concrete, and no one knows why, nor is there a logical explanation to it. Apparently, the hospital was very haunted, and that is what led to it being torn down rather than being turned into something else and it was located just minutes from our neighborhood. Apparently, a mop and bucket were left on one of the floors, and people often would see the floor wet with footprints, only to get a closer look, and the floor would be dry. People have seen ghost soldiers with half-faces. The elevator seemed to have a mind of its own and would skip floors, and doors would just open and close randomly. And when checked, nothing was mechanically wrong with it. Alarms would also go off as well when no one was in the building, and when the hospital was still functioning— Employees would get phone calls from other locations on the base from personnel who didn't exist. Well, that's it. See you on the other side. The phone calls thing just, I, there's just something so freaky about it, especially since you literally just experienced it. I know. Phantom phone calls. Like, who the heck is calling you? What do they have to say? Are they just creepily breathing on the other end or are they not able to speak? What's the connection? I'm also curious if it's like uh, the listener wrote, from personnel that doesn't exist. So I'm curious, did the this caller speak and say their name? And it's yeah. would it be possible to look up that name relative to the base in the history? And is it someone who once upon a time used to live there? It also makes me wonder if this is someone who was related to someone who was at the base. Like what if there was someone who just, like a mother that was just always calling to try to get in contact with her child who was stationed there. And that's or just, in the hospital. It was such a part of her, this spirit's routine mm-hmm. that in death, it's still happening. It's like, call the base, call the base, call the base. So interesting. Yeah. This is a great example of like, trust your pets. You know, your dog's acting weird. <laughs> Always. Trust your pets. Your dog's acting weird because something weird is happening. <laughs> yeah. The bright light thing is really weird to me though, because sleep paralysis, I feel like it's usually so dark and there's something darker than dark coming towards you. But for her to experience sleep paralysis and it's 1am and everything is so much brighter than she would ever Mm -hmm. expect, which also kind of makes me think aliens, like was she abducted and what she was seeing was the inside of a spaceship. Oh my, you have to watch Horse Girl. I know. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it tonight. 
Oh my gosh. You know, I feel like that could be really accurate because if you're kind of asleep or groggy or or like not entirely aware of what's going on, to just see a couple bright lights, you might just be a little bit confused and assume that you are where you thought you were. Yeah. It could easily be. Especially if they could they couldn't look around. Right. So weird. Uh, it's always so confusing when you wake up somewhere that you didn't realize you fell asleep in. I can't say that's happened to me very often. I was upset with Brian the other day because, well, when I say upset, I wasn't truly upset. I was just like, don't leave me sleeping on the couch again, please. Because I fell asleep when we were watching the movie and he left the room and like I fell asleep really early. So he went into the office and uh-huh. was doing stuff. And I woke up and I was so disoriented and it was right after we were talking about aliens coming <laughs> up and, and abducting you through your big windows on like, the top floor of a building oh you know, pretty high up. And I was like, oh, I could have been abducted. <laughs> <laughs> The fears that this podcast has instilled into us. I know. (laughs) Uh, But the thing is, is because we talk about this so much, instead of people being like, you're being ridiculous, you're being delusional, people are like, oh, okay. Okay, I understand. (laughs) See, I get, well, you do this to yourself because you talk about it so much. Yeah. Which is true, but we... It's, you know, the benefits outweigh the cons. Maybe maybe Brian's just like, okay, because he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. He doesn't want to risk me <sighs> continuing to talk about the paranormal. So he just agrees and shuts like, it down. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. Noted. Good. <laughs> bye. Okay. So this is an email and it's titled My Life's Spooky Encounters. Corinne and Sabrina, my name is Christopher. I'm 34 and currently live in Maryland, but I'm originally from Florida. I only just started listening to the podcast a few weeks ago, which I hope he's still listening because this was two years ago. Me uh, too. But felt compelled to share my experiences with you. In my early 20s, I created a Word document via Google in an effort to record all of my experiences that I could remember and would update it as other occurrences happened. This allowed me to reference my experiences as I remembered them without worrying about possibly altering facts as I got older. It also allows me to share my experiences with people once I discover that they enjoy the paranormal world as much as I do. As it's almost October, I felt like I needed to get this to you sooner rather than later. (laughs) Okay, this is by far the most amazing email because it's literally so long. It's literally a, a book of all of Christopher's paranormal experiences. There are so, so many, and I do hope to to read a few of these in future Encounters episodes, but I'm going to specifically read uh, one that pertains, relates to today's topic. I wonder if Chris got an advance to write this email. <laughs> Chris needs to reach out to some publishers. <laughs> this is for, or just self-publish, put this baby on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, truly. Okay, USMC Camp Schwab, Okinawa, Japan and Iwo Jima, Japan, 2004 through 2006. When I was stationed at Camp Schwab, Okinawa, Japan, I was a chief dispatcher from 2004 through 2005. I was responsible for organizing and planning all vehicle logistical transports for our battalion. Sometimes I would have vehicles scheduled to leave around midnight and wouldn't return until 6 or 7 a.m. To make it easier for me, I would sleep in the office at our motor pool during these vehicle transports. Our motor pool was located in the corner of our base on top of a hill surrounded by trees. The office was surrounded by windows without blinds, so at night you could see reflections in the room when you looked outside, so I refrained from doing that. (laughs) The motor pool was surrounded by a 10-foot barbed wire fence, 
with only one entrance for vehicles, which was locked with a chain and padlock that I secured when the last vehicle left around 10 p.m. This gate was located in direct view across from the main office room where I was sleeping, and according to Google Earth, was approximately 200 feet away. I locked the gates after the vehicles left and was the only person in this secured area. It was around midnight, and I was getting ready to go to sleep on a cot. I had just put in one of my Everybody Loves Raymond DVDs (laughs) into the office's TV as a way to fall asleep. I will emphasize that I've been up here since 7.30 a.m., so I know for a fact that everyone left at 4 p.m. I am the only one with a key to the gate besides our management who all live off base. While looking for an episode to watch, I suddenly heard a loud banging sound coming from the left side of the hallway, which I immediately knew was probably the steel door that led outside. The banging sounded as if someone was trying to kick the door in. The steel door was located in the hallway about 20 feet to the left from the office that I was in. There was a closed wooden door that separated the office and the hallway. The steel door made a very distinctive loud screech sound whenever the door opened or closed as the metal door would always catch the top metal frame. At the same time, I turned the volume down to hear what was going on. Standing in the office with the Raymond DVD looping on the main title screen, listening to the banging sound, I remember thinking to myself, what the fuck? After about six or ten bangs on the steel door, the banging stopped. I was standing there, looking at the wooden door, not sure what to expect, and the steel door never opened, but I could hear footsteps in the hallway. Still standing there, staring at the wooden door, my heart was racing. I remember standing there, thinking that the door would just explode in my face with a demon on the other side. The hallway light was on, so I tried to focus on the bottom of the wooden door as the footsteps got closer. There was about an inch of space from the wooden door to the concrete floor, and I watched as a shadow passed from left to right in sync with the footsteps towards the maintenance bay of our shop. So scary. This reminds me of signs when they stick the knife underneath to see the reflection of the alien. Oh my gosh. Once the shadow passed by the bottom of the door, the sound of the footsteps stopped. I walked over to the wooden door, and I locked it. And I also turned on all of the lights in the office. I was trying to think rationally on what just happened, but there's no way that I was going to go investigate this thing alone. Earlier, after the vehicles left, my friend Nicholas called and asked if he could come work on some paperwork that he forgot about when he left at 4 p.m. And I said no because I wanted to go to bed soon. He knew I was spending the night at the motor pool. And now realizing that I couldn't sleep, I called his barracks room phone and told him that he could come up if he still needed to. (laughs) (laughs) Although it sounded like I woke him up, he stated that he would leave soon and head up. Sadly, this meant that now I had to cross the motor pool as fast as I could, unlock the gates, swung them open, and then ran back inside. About five to ten minutes later, I saw his headlights coming up the hill, and I felt a little bit better. I didn't tell Nicholas what happened, but once he got inside and he sat at his desk, I decided to finally go investigate. I told Nicholas that I would be right back, and I slowly opened the wooden door and walked out into the hallway, leaving the wooden door open just in case I had to run back. As I took my first step into the hallway from the office, I looked over at the steel door to my left, which was still closed. I walked over to it. I noticed that it was still locked and that there was absolutely no damage that would have correlated with the kicking that I heard. I turned around and I ventured into the dark maintenance bay, passing by the office door. Using the vending machine lights, I found the light switch for the main bay lights, which were located about 60 feet affixed to the ceiling. The main lights were those huge halogen lights and would take a while to warm up and fully illuminate the room. 
I wasn't going to stand there waiting for these lights to warm up. (laughs) So I managed with the initial dim orange glow during my search of the room and the area, but I found nothing in the main bay, just vehicles that our mechanics worked on earlier that day. I checked all of the other rooms, but I found nothing. I went back to the main office. I locked the wooden door again and finally pressed play on my Everybody Loves Raymond DVD. Before I laid down on the cot, I told Nicholas to lock the gates when he left because I left the padlock unlocked when I opened them and managed to fall asleep before he left. I woke up at around 6 a.m. to the sound of a truck horn blaring at the gate, which meant the vehicles that left the night before had returned. I slept at the office a few more times after that, but never experienced anything else. I remembered that the first night of sleep that I slept there after this happened, I had a whole lot of anxiety and I jumped at literally every noise that I heard, but nothing happened. There were all kinds of stories that you'd hear from people on the base about how haunted certain areas were. One story involved a little Japanese girl who would turn on vehicles or play hide and seek by dashing between them. I believe World War II's Battle of Okinawa is likely a contributor to what I experienced. This is from Christopher. Wow. I'm like, that might be my nightmare of being alone in a place and like seeing shadows, like hearing footsteps, all of that coming towards you and there's no yeah, escape. And it's aggressive too. Like the Very. big metal door sounded like it was like kicked, like kicked in. Someone was coming in <sighs> with anger, aggression, with force, and then was just coming closer and closer and back and forth, like waiting to pounce on him. And the the door wasn't locked either. You have to remember that. Like he was just watching the shadow pass and that wooden door was not locked at the time. It could have just opened the door and faced yeah. him. Ugh. It's very creepy. It's so creepy. And the fact that it's set away in the woods, it's all covered, it's dark, and he knows no one's going to be there for a long time. He sent everybody away for nine hours. Jeez. That's like the worst because if you have someone else there, at least you have like a buddy or just something. But the fact that it chose and waited until he was alone, you know, it's so – it's like targeted. I think Christopher did the right thing by calling his friend, being like, come over because that's really scary and you need the comfort. Yes. But I can't imagine the absolute fear of right after that, knowing that 10 minutes later, your friend's going to arrive. So you have to now leave. You have to walk down the hallway mm-hmm. by the metal door, go outside into the darkness in the woods, yeah. and then unlock a gate. In the process of unlocking, like, what if something's after you? How long does it take to unlock the gate? It's like when you have to go to the bathroom really, really badly and you have like a bunch of doors to get through and you have to unlock your apartment door and you're just like, I just need to get out. Literally awful. I know. I am now living in an apartment with a key fob and it's freaking lovely. Oh, that sounds so nice. Fob it up, baby. So much better for your bladder. Yes. That's why key fobs were created. So you can get into your apartment and go to the bathroom yeah I can you tell have, i have trouble when i sit in the car for a long time and i get home and i have to go to the bathroom I really badly you do. i've heard <laughs> many times from you about those troubles <laughs> what i recommend for everybody if you live in a city that's a walkable city at least in boston this makes sense maybe in la it doesn't make as much sense because there's only certain areas that are walkable but in the notes of my phone i have like different codes for bathrooms so basically mm. i'm always a 10-minute walk to a bathroom I know I can enter. That's nice. Yeah. Convenient. Anywho, this is an episode about uh, military bases. So if you guys have hauntings from military bases or hauntings just in general, because we love all kinds of hauntings, hate them, but love them, please email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. Did you notice I had like a little brain fart as I was trying to 
say <laughs> what our podcast email was. Yeah. And the most amount of little, like, I don't want to say hashtags because it's not social media, but, you know, use the word military base or use these certain words in your email so that we can catch them. Because yeah. every once in a while, we do a themed encounters where we just choose a bunch of emails that you guys send us all within one category. Mm-hmm. So that will help us find yours a little bit faster. Yes. Yeah. Keywords are important. Even if your subject line is like a bunch of keywords, that helps too. Keywords. That's the word I was looking for. See, we're helping each other out. We help each other. And you help us in so many ways. And the way that I appreciate the most is when you rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram. Corinne's going to get me to do a bunch of TikToks when we're in New Orleans. So I'm going to become <laughs> a TikTok star with Corinne. Um, and what else do we have? Oh, we have Patreon and we have merch. There's so many ways to support us. The options are endless. And also thank you to our editors at Upfar Digital. Special shout out to Aiden. Aiden's been editing for us and crushing the episode. Crushing it. We're so excited. Yeah. And we will see See you on the other side. side. Very spooky.